0: Hello, 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 Fort Worth. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Fort Worth Freedom Review. We are a show about local politics, state politics that aims to get more people engaged in local and state issues. My name is Anthony Sosa. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm here with Thomas Moore to discuss the Texas Democratic Party's convention in Dallas, Texas this past weekend. Um, This was kind of like a last-minute sort of thing, so I'm definitely looking forward to covering this in the future and being much more prepared. This was Amber and I's first convention. What we're going to kind of focus on about this was the many progressive candidates that will be on the ballot this November uh, and the issues that they pushed, like legalization of cannabis, uh, workers' rights and protections, the ability to unionize, uh, expanding access to health care and abortion rights, investment in rural communities, things like Internet and stuff, investment in improving our grid, divestment from fossil fuels, divestment from uh, things like uh, policing the border. So this is, you know, the, there are I was surprised to see and discover, you know, uh, the the quality of our progressives here in Texas and the number of them. Uh, a a lot of these, some of them were from North Texas, a lot of them weren't, but it was nice to kind of see all of these people in one place. So I'm going to kind of introduce you guys to that. We're going to run down the list down below. As always, in every episode, the resources that we use will be provided for you. Uh, so the websites, the Twitters to a lot of these candidates will be provided below as well as some news stories. And of course we talk about Beto. Um, this podcast is made possible by the Justice Reform League, a Fort Worth-based nonprofit. You can sign up for our newsletter. Ah, not newsletter anymore. You can sign up for our blog at our website at justicereformleague.net. We will occasionally post uh, op-ed type articles. Uh, we've got one up there right now. Amber's working on another one right now. Uh, if you would like to submit something to be on the blog, for instance, or if you've written something you'd like to have you know, more exposure, please, by all means, hit us up. Or if you've got any episode ideas. Uh, or additional stories you'd like us to cover, hit us up on Twitter at fw review, on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review, uh, and you can send us an email at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Well, um, do you, I guess, want to start off kind of talking about kind of what you've been going through in your situation and give give the listener kind of, you know, info on that and then talk about your GoFundMe.
1: So for those of you who don't know, um the month of July and part of June has been trying to kill me. Um I've had a, actually the, the same car I'm trying to fix, I've had my car fall on me while trying to fix it, scratching my ribs, and it's prevented me from working. And now my car has tried to stop working, so I can't work, because for those of you who do, don't know, we don't make money off this podcast. Yeah. Um, in my real life, I do Uber Eats, Amazon Flex. I do a lot of a lot of the whole gig working thing, but I can't do anything. My car is not working, which it isn't. So I started a GoFundMe. Um, if you guys want to donate, the link is going to be in the description. Uh, I really appreciate your support. Um, yeah, we're right. almost there. I think we're at, I think I, I need 600 to fix it. I think, I think we're at 4, or 5,500, somewhere around there. So we get through this, this last stretch we will be good to go. Um, if you can't donate, that's cool. Um, but if you can share on your Facebook, that'd be even
0: better. Uh, thank you so much for your support. And I love all of you yeah man every little bit helps i'm so sorry we how What was it a month ago i guess when the car accident happened like the car accident when when the car fell on you like how long ago yeah
1: was that? probably about a month ago yeah yeah man because i'm, Cause I'm, I'm sure. on i still have painkillers from it and i haven't and those painkillers were only supposed to last 10 days but i don't i don't take that stuff every day you know
0: yeah man i'm so sorry dude so yeah if anybody is able to help out you know please do if not you know uh share an uplift and just try and spread the word every little bit makes a difference so yeah wish you the best man so what we're going to talk about pretty much for the rest of the episode is the texas democratic convention uh it's kind of a last minute thing amber brought it up to me i think she saw something about it in the dsa uh slack i'm not exactly sure how she heard about it um but was like oh hey the convention's in dallas and it's this weekend uh and some of the other dsa members were going up there on friday so we just the kind of last minute decided to sign up to go or register to go it was weird when we got there i don't know if the website glitched out or what but they didn't have our information so we uh we kind of just came in as guests and uh just kind of refilled out some stuff but it was a really cool really unique experience and like definitely want to go back next time like more prepared especially as like a podcast and an organization to like you know take advantage of of that you know networking opportunity at the very least like just a bunch of people like-minded people in the same place like you've got that aspect of it but there's a lot more to it than that like, Thomas, like, if you've got any questions, like, I, it was kind of, you know, we were there most of the day. It's, it was kind of a lot to take in. So, like, I feel like I'm not even going to be able to really talk about everything. But, like, they ha- essentially have this, this is, so this is the party structure. This is the Democratic Party. It's separate from the U.S., you know, the federal Democrat, the National Democratic Party. It's, like, got connections to that, but it's a separate entity. So it's the Democratic Party for the state of Texas. And it if you don't know, I mean, Thomas, I know you probably know this, but like, listener, if you don't know, like, these parties are not part of the government. They're private entities. They, you know, essentially are, are pro- <laughs> entities that run off a profit like a business. They might... They might have hold some sort of nonprofit status or something like that, probably, but they're not part of the government. I guess you could call it an NGO or something like that. So it's, you know, they operate on their own rules that they make up and write in a charter, and they kind of operate under their own governance, you know, separate from the state or the federal governance. Uh, And so the Republican Party does this in the state of Texas. They kind of set up their party in a certain way. They set up their you know conventions in a certain way. Their caucuses, they have their own rules. The Democratic Party's rules are different uh, because they were set up differently. So they're each party's kind of unique, and this varies from state to state. So this getting together was essentially to support and uh, promote uh, candidates who had won their primaries, you know, a month or two ago, three months ago, or whatever, and that are now, you know on the ballot for November. And it's like, okay, let's get these candidates elected in November, uh, and let's get Beto elected, obviously, because as the governor. So it's like, that's all the state offices, essentially. There's a handful of like, you know, none of the Senate, you know, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn aren't up this this time around, so there's no senators up. But there's a few House seats that are up. uh, And so it was just kind of like focusing around that, giving a lot of these candidates like, you know, 30 seconds for some, maybe a minute or two minutes for others to speak. And just kind of introduce themselves to the people there and say, Hey, this is what I'm what I'm about. If you want to donate to my campaign, great. So yeah, it was it was at the D- Dallas, uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the convention center. It's a lady's name. Kate Kate Kaylee Bay Richardson. Hutchison. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> you know what's up. Yeah, it was there. Have you ever been there?
1: Never yeah. been cited, but I do i ironically deliver there
0: all the time oh interesting that makes sense it's security guards use a lot of uber eats. yeah i believe that it's a really large facility i don't think i've ever been in a convention center that big the one in fort worth is certainly not that big uh it felt like an airport like multiple terminals and just you know a little food court area like a very it it was huge it was just kind of cool being in the space like that the architecture was really cool um and then they had like a, a main room with a bunch of tables and booths set up and like, you know, little bitty concessions uh, for like different organizations that were promoting, you know, their their specific issues. There was a, a couple of LGBTQ organizations. There was like a, a Mothers Against Greg Abbott organization. Uh, some of the candidates had booths set up there. There was like a big, Beto had the biggest booth. There was a giant Beto booth with like a ton of Beto merch. It was like you're at a concert or something. They had like, you know, 10 different T-shirts that you could get for Beto. Um, and they were playing music at his little booth, which was which was funny and interesting. And it was Amber and I were like looking around at different stuff and like looking at buttons. They had like a, I I wish I remember the name of the company. They had a clothing brand there that was like we make union, you know, we're union run, and we make you know union shirts and stuff. And so buy our stuff. We bought a couple of buttons. I bought you a sticker actually. I don't know when I'm gonna get to see you soon. Yeah. I bought you. Amber and I saw it. We're like, that's perfect for Thomas. It's it's a vamp, Patrick sticker and it has a vampire Dan Patrick and it says sucking the life out of Texas on it so I have to Oh my that. gosh it's amazing <laughs> I'll have to give you that when i see you uh but so we're like checking that stuff out and uh and Beto like comes in and like the whole vibe of like the room like changed and everyone's like oh my god beto you know everyone kind of runs over to him he's already got like an entourage of like 15 people and like people with cameras and stuff following him around and stuff so then he starts like you know, signing autographs and talking to people and like media people are there trying to ask him questions and stuff. And it becomes like this whole circus. And it was funny because we were there with a couple of other, you know, progressive young people. And they were just like, I can't, I can't go over there. Like, I just can't do it right now. (laughs) And I was like, what, why not? Uh, And she was just like, I just can't, I'm not happy with him right now because he hasn't mentioned Medicare for all in like months. And I was like, okay, I guess, you know, I guess that's fair. You know, it's, tricky trying to navigate you know which issues you're gonna really push when you when you're running for a seat like you know the governor of texas like it's very different than running for a presidential campaign you know i don't know what do you... right. so i guess i don't know i guess we'll, we'll get to beto and kind of some of the stuff he said here in a little bit but yeah i don't know it was a pretty fun experience amber really i think had a good time as well she got to meet uh, wendy davis uh, which was a big yeah. big deal for her. Got some photos with Wendy Davis and stuff. So essentially, like I guess what we did there, we went to two caucuses. And what a caucus is is essentially there's no there's no requirement to be in a caucus. There's you, you just say hey I want to be in this caucus. You just like sign up for it essentially. If you're a delegate and it, and to become a delegate, well you can just go anybody can go. But to vote in these caucuses, they're essentially like little voting blocks that all vote together on certain issues so it's like okay as the two caucuses we went to was the progressive caucus which was a brand new caucus it's the first year that we've had a progressive caucus in texas it was a little disorganized and the room it was in was way too small i think they underestimated how many people were going to show up for this thing um it was packed and you couldn't get like if you know, amber and i fortunately got up, got there early enough to get a seat but a lot of people just couldn't get in the room um it may be sat yeah you know a hundred comfortably and probably like 300 people showed up um and then the that's other good news though that's yeah, good news it is it was really it was really cool to kind of see oh we're all texans but like but we're progressing you know it was just kind of cool to see everybody in the same place you know it's kind of inspiring um the second one that we went yeah. to was the labor caucus and it was kind of like the opposite it was in a gigantic room that was way too big and not nearly enough people showed up for that one <laughs> So it was like sixty or seventy people in this room for like I don't know five hundred or something. Um, Auction trade rooms is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, it was. So it had a very different vibe. <laughs> I, I figured there'd be more crossover. There really wasn't actually. Like the labor was mo- was just a lot of old people for the most part. I mean, demographics wise of the convention it was mostly old people, um, but there was a good 20, 25 percent of people that I think were like you know maybe thirty five and younger or something like. But it was, certainly wasn't a majority but it wasn't like nothing either. Um so it, it, right. It, 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 I don't know. It was it was interesting and there certainly was like a divide amongst the like ideological approaches to people in their speeches. Um you know, your establishment democrats versus your you know, your more progressive ones because there are progressive ones. That's what I was, that's one thing I was, and I guess I'll get, get to this here in a second. Uh, I, I, there are progressives here in Texas and like, I feel kind of dumb for not even knowing, but they're not really, most of them anyways are not really in our area. Um, So the, I want to kind of get into that here in a, in a moment, like with the podcast, play a couple of audio clips that I was able to get of these people. And so we can just kind of evaluate and like, I feel silly using this word, but like uplift, uplift these people and their candidacies and like we'll provide links, you know, if you want to donate to their campaigns or something or or if we have a listener who lives, you know, in the San Antonio area or the El Paso area or something and you and you want to go, you know, volunteer for these people, by all means, uh, that info will be there. But it was just interesting because another, uh, I guess, function of this convention is to see, okay, who is going to run the Texas Democratic Party? And who are the, you know, leadership going to be of the Texas Democratic Party? Just like, you know, I I feel like this is a silly comparison, but it's like it, it's perfect. Like 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 high school class president sort of thing. Like it's, it's literally that like who's going to be president, who's going to be vice president, who's going to be treasurer, who's going to be secretary. Um, and they vote on that for the party every two years. And so there were people saying, hey, vote for me. You don't know who I am, but I'm running to run the. I'm going to be the, you know, the Texas Democratic Party chair or vice chair or whatever. Uh, and so th- some of those people like Gilberto Inohosa is is the guy who's been essentially running the Texas Democratic Party since uh, 2006 or something like that, like a while. And he was running again. And he essentially has the credentials of like, hey, I'm from the Latino, you know, Chicano labor movement. Uh, you know, the Cesar Chavez movement, like I, that's that's kind of where my roots are. That's where I come from. His daughter is in Inajosa. I'm I'm blanking on her first name, but she's been running for offices uh, over the past couple of years. And so, like, on paper, looks like okay, good. Supports the like the labor movement and like migration issues and 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 you know Latino issues, like fantastic. But like in actuality, like he's essentially just your establishment Democrat. He's but by no means a progressive. And so the you know the yeah. way the way he was kind of wording things, trying to get people to vote for him was was different than you know some of the other people that were more more or less radical. There were, there were definitely more centrist Democrats there too that we were kind of hearing from. Uh, and so it's like 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 even more centrist than Gilberto, for instance. Like more you know you're pro military, you're pro like from this area like you know your 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 Lockheed types, um, like. It, and so, you know, it was kind of interesting to hear among some of the progressives, like the open, talking openly about how conservative the Texas Democratic Party is, and just kind of like, this is a known fact, this is not we're all aware of this, right? Like, this isn't something that's on the DL. Like, we all know the Texas Democratic Party is like, not progressive. Uh, and so, uh, let's fight the change. It. You have certain people fighting the change. It. So, I guess I'll get to some of those people. Thomas, before I do that, like, do you have anything that you want to say or or anything in regards to that? I just talked for a while. <laughs>
1: No, I mean, it's not surprising you're seeing all the all the, the older established Democrats kind of doing their thing and then really not making space for the younger progressives. But I think as time goes on, they're going to have to.
0: Yeah, I agree. Because we are getting number. Yeah, and that's one of the things. So there's a candidate running for U.S. House District 35. His name is Greg Kassar. Uh, And he said this thing over and over again that I agree with is that Texas is not a red state. Texas is an unorganized state. Uh, Texas is not a red state. Texas is a non-voting state. And so, you know, Beto has said that message, too. And so it's like, and that's true. And so that was one of the kind of reoccurring things, especially among the progressive caucuses, like we are in the majority. The majority of Texans support Medicare for all. The majority of Texans support like immigration reform, the you know, the majority of Texans want us to fix the grid. The majority of Texans want to legalize marijuana. You know, it's like those are all our progressive issues. But if you look like it's around the 60 percent or more, depending on what you're talking about, of Texans like support those things. Uh, And so like really hitting that point, like we're not the minority. We feel like the minority here in Texas and we have been for a long time. But like if you actually look at the issues and like see who supports those issues, like most Texans do. Uh, and so I think that that's something to kind of lean into. So, okay, I guess it sucks because we were sitting in this caucus, the progressive one, and it, I wasn't prepared to like take audio. I didn't bring my audio recorder. Like I could have whipped out my phone, but I kind of just, I wanted to listen to, <laughs> I just wanted to be in the moment kind of listen to what everyone had to say since, you know, I didn't want to scramble and just like miss stuff. So I didn't get any audio from that, uh, unfortunately, but multiple of the speakers who spoke at that spoke again at the labor caucus. And so I did decide to kind of my phone out and get some uh of them there they their speeches were different you know they kind of spoke about different things for at to the progressives right versus to the labor caucus especially because like that was just a lot of older people there just a different audience um so it wasn't quite like the stuff that i you know i was like man i really wish i got that however it still kind of gives us an opportunity to hear these people so uh just real quick before i get to the audio at the progressive caucus like i said it was the first one it was organized by Clayton Tucker who i he was seemed like a, he was a very young guy with like a cowboy hat and a mustache but like kind of a hipster farmer vibe seemed like a really cool dude just like vibe wise just like see i'm like man that guy i want to hang out with that guy he seems young and smart and it's like and he's the one who organized this caucus i don't think he's like in office or anything Right? i think he's just an organizer and i don't know what organization he's from um I guess the organization is the Texas Progressive Caucus, which they got a website, texasprogressivecaucus.org. If you want to like get involved or support, maybe kind of, you know, be around that. They do, I think, quarterly meetings. Like every three months, the caucus gets together and kind of prioritizes for the next time around. So he was there. Two of the people who spoke at it were Texas representatives that are progressive that I was unaware of both of these people. Maybe, Thomas, you've heard of them. I don't know. Anna Marie Ramos and she called herself the text, the second most progressive house member, which I was like, who's the first, but I guess Ron Reynolds, the guy, the next guy is the first she's from district one Oh two, which is actually like a North Dallas district. Uh, and so since on the podcast, we kind of really Interesting. focused on, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about this, but because we cover Tarrant County, we I guess we just missed it on our radar, but it's like North Dallas and the three suburbs North of Dallas. And she didn't name them, but I'm guessing this is Plano Frisco based on how she was talking about the demographics and she and she was saying hey when i was running everyone was telling me you can't win you can't win because this is the white rich part of dallas and you're a latino and you're a progressive like that's not going to win there but she won She yeah, super conservative really yeah she flipped the house seat from republican to democrat i guess in 2020 um yeah so that's awesome so okay if you and maybe if you're listening and you live in dallas or over on the east side like that maybe you are aware of her but Uh, I want to, you know, do more to support her, kind of keep an eye on her now that I am, since she's up here in in North Texas. Uh, But she was awesome. Her speech was awesome, and I really wish I would have caught audio for it. Uh, The next guy who was the Texas rep that spoke was Ron Reynolds, and he's a co-founder of the Progressive Caucus. He uh, is an African-American gentleman from District 27 in El Paso, and he was— had a really awesome and good speech as well. He kind of said, I guess as far as his progressive credentials or what does he support, he was trying to pass. And as a Congressman was actively working with the freedom to vote act and the John Lewis act. Uh, neither of those actually made it, but as you know, as a Congressman, he supported those things. So they're both running again, uh, obviously because the way our, <laughs> you got to run every two years. And so most Congress people have to spend sure. you know 18 months fundraising. Um, so that that was them. And then in regards to the U.S. reps, I'm sorry, yeah, both of those were the state reps. Forgive me, those were state reps. Now these are the U.S. reps. Uh, we have Michelle Michelle Vallejo uh, in District 15. We're going to hear from her in a second, um, which is like the Seguin-Guadalupe border district, kind of like from San Antonio down to the border. Um, her seat, it was it, she says and defines it as the only swing seat in Texas. I don't know exactly like, I feel like there's more than just one swing district in Texas, but I guess what she means is like she flipped it um, from Republican to Democratic, I guess at the, at the, at the U S level. And so if we want to keep, or if we want to gain a democratic majority, uh, I'm sorry, if we want to keep a democratic majority in the Congress in DC, we need to keep district 15. Uh, And I guess what she means is that district flips back and forth. So we're going to hear her in a second. Greg Kassar, the guy I talked about earlier, Super charismatic. We got to meet him, shake hands with him. He's is a supporter of the DSA. He was kind of aware of some of the stuff that we were doing, uh, was excited that the Fort Worth chapter was there. So, like that, just alone that there's, you know, someone uh, who's kind of aware of these local orgs at that, you know, the, especially the D, one like the DSA, was fantastic. He's got a really interesting story. Have you, Thomas, have you heard of Craig, Greg Kassar? Does that name ring a bell at all? I have not. Okay, I, I hadn't not. either. And I feel like, again, this is another person that's like, I'm sure they've talked about him on NPR, or and I've talked about him in the Texas Tribune or something. Like maybe not, but his story is so interesting. I'm like, okay, he's been doing stuff for a while. Essentially, he ran for Austin City Council and won as a progressive in I don't have it written down, 2014 or something. I was like furiously writing notes because I wasn't recording audio. I just like was trying to just write down as much as I possibly could <laughs> while all these people were talking. Right. Um, so he he was he, you know Greg Kassar's thing, and we'll just kind of start with his speech. Uh, it was like focusing on class dynamics, focusing on like, who is the real minority here? And it's like the, you know, the 1% of those in power, Greg Abbott's the minority, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I'll kind of let him do his thing and, and we'll, we'll get, to listen to him. And then the, the, the last person, oh, did I get her? Did I get Jasmine? I didn't get a speech from Jasmine, but I want to mention her. Jasmine Crockett, uh, from Dallas district 30. So this is again for the U S Congress. Uh she was also spoke at the Progressive Caucus. She was elected in 2020. Uh and she was super awesome and fiery as well. And so as another North Texas progressive, I, I want you know, us to be aware of Jasmine Crockett and kind of keep her in mind uh for the future. So okay. I guess I'll get to the audio now. I've kind of <laughs> I've talked it up enough. Okay, let's see which one is Greg. I'm gonna look at my phone. Oh yeah, another person that we're gonna hear from is Mike Collier. He spoke at the Labor Caucus, um, the guy who's running for um, lieutenant governor. So, here, we'll, actually, let's do that. Since I'm talking about him, let's, let's listen to Mike, and then we'll get to Greg.
2: Help me. I will not let you down. Rick, Leonard, I really enjoy you guys. Don't worry. 30 seconds, and so I can get this now. Where's Becky Moeller? Surely she's here. There's Becky Moeller. When I ran for comptroller the first time, Becky made a phone call and she said, I don't know anything about this fella. I want to meet him. You Remember that, Becky? So we showed up in your office, in the conference room, and I said, well, Becky, uh, my dad was in the union, my granddad was in the union, and," and she said, all right, that's good enough. I'll work with him and let's see what we get. And it started there, and you have been so helpful. Thank you so much. It is the working class that has made our nation great. It is the working class that's going to save our democracy. And I'm fighting for you, and I am going to fight for you. And I can tell you what, and I've made this commitment. When I'm Lieutenant Governor, and I'm going to be, have you seen the polls? I can beat that guy. We've got to beat that guy. And when I'm Lieutenant Governor, I'm going to have somebody right there on the senior staff from Labor. Everything we do, I'm going to turn to that person and say, what do you think? What's right for Labor? What's right for working men and women in this state and in this country? And there's a lot that we can do, and we'll have a lot to say about that during the course of the campaign. My time today is limited. I just wanted to say this. I'm here because you helped me. I will win and beat Dan Patrick if you help me, and I will not let you down. Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: So please vote for Mike Collier so he can beat Dan Patrick so we can get him out of here. Um, yeah, beat Dan Patrick. Yeah. And he, I'm trying to remember the exact percentage. I didn't write it down, but I, I want to say he's within three or 4% of, of uh, in the polls, um, which is, you know, pretty close. And that's almost within the margin of error for a lot of these things. So it's, you know, that, that, that's, that's really good news actually. Like I, you know, I, that's, that's, something I kind of want us to be aware of. Like things are trending in the right direction for Democrats here in Texas. Um, I hate to say this and this is i don't know maybe alarmist or something but this next week of temperatures if you haven't seen uh is gonna you know be like 108 109 almost every day i'm not sure how much our grid can handle of this how much more of it right if if we have electrical problems you know this summer i think that might be another thing that could just really kind of put abbott in a in a harder harder position do it. Does that put us over? Yeah, I mean, mate, I don't know. What do you think?
1: I think you're right. I think if the power fails like it, like it's been doing, I think they're they're in
0: trouble. Yeah, I mean, I certainly you know certainly don't want that to happen because that's bad things for a lot of people. Um, certainly don't want to wish that on anybody. But it's just I don't know. It's it's certainly a possibility. It's uh, you know, and so just keeping that in mind, it's like, huh. You know that that's another thing that could that could maybe push this in in the in a better direction for Beto winning, like and again and someone made the point I don't remember who it was but someone made the point and it's a good point if we don't win seats in the Texas House and the Texas Senate Beto is not going to be able to do anything kind of the same thing like if Bernie Sanders won in 2016 or 2020 uh, the Congress wouldn't have been very receptive to that because there's not a lot of people there who believe those same things so you know i think that is an important thing to keep in mind we really kind of do need to to push this push these people kind of across the board and it sucks cuz now i feel like i'm sounding like a blue no matter who sort of thing and i don't believe that right like we've talked about this multiple times on the podcast separating right. the 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 policies and the and the agenda and the ideas from the party but i think think you know things are so bad at this point you know this entire administration And the Republican Party, right? Like, we talked about it last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago about the crazy things that they're adding to their platform. We've talked about how bonkers insane their platform already is. Like, we see this is what they want to enact in state. And Beto even talks about that. When we get to some of his speeches, he mentions that, um, how crazy Mm -hmm. the party is. So, you know, it's we really do need to, you know, help Anna Marie Ramos get in the Texas, you know, stay in the Texas seat, help Ron Reynolds stay there in El Paso. Obviously, we can't do that from over here, but you see what I mean. Um, all right, let's get to the Greg Kassar speech. I really liked this guy. I really want to keep an eye on this fella because I feel like he has a lot of potential for uh, you know, other offices. Uh you know, I don't know. Congress is a good place for him to be that he would be another, you know. He's not a he's not a woman of color, but he he would be backing the squad in my opinion. Like he'd be on that. He's he he sounds like that. I don't know if he is policy-wise on that, but the way he talks makes me and I am your
3: nominee for the United States Congress. So just a little over twelve years ago, I was organizing workers on construction sites, workers that weren't being let off of scaffolds after working in the hundred degree heat all day, and I was organizing alongside you to win and pass a simple law at the Austin City Council to guarantee them a basic human right of a water break. And I was barely of drinking age when we won and passed that law, and now I am so proud to be able to go to the United States Congress to fight for those rights for not just people in Austin, but every single working person in America. that water breaks law was not as easy to pass as it should have been. We had to organize dozens of unions, hundreds of people to pour into City Hall and drag some of those elected officials who said they were with us to actually go and vote with us. It should not have been that hard. And so after winning that fight, I was talking to a retired (laughs) union organizer and she said, why don't you go run so that way we have somebody on the inside as we're pushing on the outside. You could be our union salt. On the Austin City Council, and I took her up on that offer. We stood up on the steps of City Hall, and it was union electricians, and union teachers, and union public employees, and essential workers <laughs> that had their that went up my back, and I became the youngest person ever elected to the Austin City Council. But we didn't stop there because the commitment and the point was to do the work, and we closed the gap between what progressive Austin said we were about and what we were actually doing. We found that there were tons of city workers and people on city contracts making $7.25. And in our first two and a half years, we doubled that to $15 an hour. And we did that together and we started spreading it to other cities.
0: I just want to pause it and mention real quick. I wish I had the audio from his first speech because the charisma, you know, you play to a room, like if you're, you know, if you're emotionally intelligent, like you know, a lot of these political candidates are, you play to the room, right? And you feed off the room's energy in a packed little room among progressives everybody was way more responsive to what he was saying so when he when he drops the stuff about the minimum wage or you know the the the, the fire stuff that he's saying everyone's like cheering him and getting loud and so then he gets more fired up and it's like you know it it was like it was good energy i think here because it's a giant empty room <laughs> it's not empty right but it's just everyone's very sp- spread apart um mm-hmm. There, the 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 crowd response is just like not at all close, and so I feel like he's not getting as fired up, you know, as he was the first time around. But I still, I don't know, I'll let it run. But I just wanted to comment on that because I feel like this isn't a good representation or whatever.
3: And now we laid the groundwork for this year for that fifteen dollars to go up to twenty two dollars an hour in Austin, Texas, and for us to spread that all over the state. We passed sick days laws, not just in Austin, but in San Antonio and in Dallas. We blocked anti-worker legislation up at the state capitol. We enforced Davis Bacon and started saying you've got to pay a living wage and a union wage, not just if you work for the city, but if you got a city contract, if you want to do business with the city, if you're on city land. And now we've got to take that to the federal level so that we win a union and a thriving living wage for every single person in this country. What do y'all say? What I learned alongside you was that the goal was not just to pass policy, but to change who City Hall worked for. To have it stop working for corporate interests, for it to stop being faux aggressive, and for it to start being progressive and start working for working people. That was the goal, and that's what we got to go do in the US Congress. What do you Ow. want to say? And that's what we can do across this state, because this is not a red state. This is not a corporate state. It is an underorganized state. And once we organize in this state, we change the country. That's how we pass the PRO Act. That's how yeah. we raise the living wage. That's how we get project labor agreements across this country. It's how we organize at Starbucks and Amazon. It's why as my first public event, as your Democratic nominee, we went and stood with Starbucks workers. And as my next biggest event, we went and confronted the hospital management at one of the biggest hospitals in the state to bring the first new nurses' union to this state in a generation. That's exactly what members of Congress. The answer is organizing. As we see people it's continuing to die from the pandemic and we want to get them health care in the most uninsured state in the country, the answer to health care is union yes. When we see our votes being suppressed, The answer to solving that is union, yes. And when we talk about growing inequality, and if we want to fight, not for the lifestyle of Jake Bezos, but for the lies of our community, the answer is union, yes. And I know that I'm not going alone. I know that I'm taking all of y'all with me. That was my commitment. That's why we started this in the first place. So as long as I am vertical, as long as I'm alive, I am ready to be in this work alongside you. That's my whole convention I've been waiting to be in this room because we aren't here to just be on the winning team. We don't care about what the polls say today or tomorrow. We are there for our members and for our people. So as long as I'm alive, that's what I'm committed to doing. And then one day when I know I will not be, if all the little Wikipedia entry says about me is, He was for poor people in Texas. He was for working people in Texas. And he was a good salt, and I'll be happy. Thank you guys so much.
0: So what do you think, Thomas?
1: I think that guy has a lot of potential. I think he's got his finger on, on the pulse of a lot of issues. I think that if he keeps going,
0: he'll get where he's trying to get to. And probably a little bit further. Yeah, it's nice. I don't know. It was kind of inspiring to see a young, you know, Latino progressive in Texas. I don't know. Reminded me of AOC. Obviously, he's a guy, um, but like, I don't know. Just like someone who's got a good head on their shoulders, good communicator, um, making a lot of sense. You know, that's not usually a a Texas politician. (laughs) You know, no. So I don't know. It was cool. I really, I really liked him. Uh, thought thought he so. Hopefully, hopefully he succeeds. Please support Greg Casar for District Thirty Five. Uh, and then let's see. So that's the next one we've got here is Michelle Vallejo. She is also uh, a U.S. Congress candidate um for District Fifteen. Um, and I t- I'm gonna go ahead and say this right now. I hate to taint your perception before she speaks but she gave a really good speech at the progressive caucus and she got caught up on her dismount at this for whatever reason the last 30 45 seconds she has a really hard time finish like closing her speech out with the right thoughts or i guess maybe she forgot what she was going to say or something like that so that's unfortunate but i don't you know i don't want that to count against her i think she's still still a good candidate here we go hola a todos hello everyone
4: buenos dias yes. good morning it is such an honor Woo! Yes, It is such an honor to be in front of you to represent Texas District 15 and to be in this fight for working families, for laborers, for families who are Spanish dominant, for families who are immigrants, for families who are the descendants of immigrants, because for too long our narrative has been stripped away from us at the border and it is so beautiful to be one of the first candidates ever to be, to have reached this far, coming from a pure grassroots effort. And I want to share that my background is from the Puya. I came from the free market. And it is through that connection with my community that made me perfectly fit for this role. And I have never had a doubt that someone like me needs to be standing up, and me doing this work reaffirms that we need more people in this movement because we have been outspent every step of the way. We were... We had the disadvantage of time because I was the last candidate to jump in to a six-part primary and the reason for that was because due to redistricting, due to the efforts by Republicans, unfortunately, to strip us of our rights for voting and making our own decisions for ourselves, we saw that impact, we saw that domino factor where we lost our would-have-been incumbent representative. And we knew who was going to be on the ballot on the other side. Someone endorsed by Trump. Someone who was pouring in millions of dollars to influence our race, to take it away from the people who live in our region, and strip us from our representation. And so I want to invite you to my team, because it has been the people power that has driven us, that has gotten us past a primary, a runoff, and a grueling recount where we came out 35 votes up, Been the force of the labor movement and community organizing and grassroots efforts that truly has propelled me forward and we have not backed down when people told us you need to say things differently you need to look differently you maybe shouldn't be wearing your fanny pack all over the place
3: i told them no way
4: because that's how i show up to work and i'm here to do the work just the same way my community my family and all of you have shown me so thank you so much for organizing Thank you so much for making the commitment to keep in this fight, to keep fighting for people who deserve to have the resources, to have the attention, to be supported through social media and being invited to people's homes so that we could get in front of their family members that have for so long felt disenfranchised, taken advantage of, and ignored. And so thank you so much for being here, Please join us by visiting us online at michelle for tx 15com and please keep an eye on Texas 15, keep an eye on the border. Our seat is the only swing seat in the state of Texas. We have a, a Republican, radical Republican interest trying to take a claim of the Latino vote and for the people's voices of the frontera. And I want to reaffirm you and reassure you that that's not the truth and that's not the case. And together, we're going to course correct that narrative And we're
0: going to hold
1: this seat for Texas 15. So thank you so much. So, yeah. I hear what we were saying on the dismount. She was like, I can't, I feel like she was trying to add things. Like she felt the speech was too short.
0: Yeah, that's what I was kind of, and every, this is one of the things that was kind of frustrating just as a first-time goer not knowing what to expect the caucuses were only an hour long each so anybody who got a chance to speak, a lot, there were a lot of people who just didn't get to speak that were like hey i want to give a shout out to this person and they would start walking up to the stage be like oh no no you don't have time to come up here i just wanted to mention your name <laughs> so people know that you're here but so the people who did get to speak a lot of them got really short time so she may have gone over or something i don't know and then was trying to figure out how to finish. I don't know. I don't know what exactly happened, but I felt, you know, kind of bad for her. I was like, oh no, because she didn't do that the first time around. And you can obviously tell, like the first, you know, two two right. and a half minutes of that was pretty good. Um, but it happens. Public speaking's hard. So you know, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's. So, but she's, you know, she seemed really cool too. So that's another person. And especially because being, I think, her emphasis on the fact that hey, we could lose this seat, and if we lose this seat, we could lose the Democratic majority. Uh, that would be bad this is a priority seat. So, you know, that's, that's something to keep in mind. So yeah, we don't, we don't want to lose 15. So, I mean, I guess it, in regards to like a listener, what can I do about these? These people don't live in, I'm not in their district. These people are in other parts of Texas, you know, the very, very least just kind of post about them on social media. Um, if you got 10 bucks, you know, eight $5 or something that you could donate to the campaign that would help. Like every dollar counts, every little bit makes a big difference. Um, so the next person who spoke, and I, I was kind of surprised by this. I kind of forgot about her, I guess. But uh, Rochelle Garza was at the Labor Caucus, and so she spoke as well. Rochelle, we kind of covered her, you know, earlier uh, in the election process. She is the she's running for Attorney General uh, to unseat Ken Paxton, and she wasn't like our pick. There was another guy that I remember that was more progressive than she was. But however, obviously, anybody's better than Ken Paxton, right? Uh, and so it was right. it was good to hear from her. I thought she said some some good stuff. So. We'll we'll play that real quick.
5: Thank you so much, and thank you all for being here today. Uh, my name is Rochelle Garza. I am your Democratic nominee for Attorney General. I am a civil rights lawyer. I'm a mom. I just I gave birth 14 weeks ago to my first child, oh. uh, a little girl, and. Um, yeah, I, I was unfortunately unable to attend the COPE convention because I was having some issues. Uh,
0: right now, the top of mind... So she maybe does this. There's a couple of candidates who, who make mention to a the HOPE convention. Do you know what that is? I do not. Okay. I don't either. I What I'm assuming or gathering from it is like it's a Texas Democratic Party. It was like a different convention. That was like four months ago or six months ago or something like that. Uh, and like a lot of people kept bringing it up. Oh, I was at hope or, oh, I saw you at hope, but like, I didn't, I did not know what they were talking about. So th- I think that's, if she mentions hope again, like that's what she's talking about, whatever that is.
5: For me is with what we're going through as women, what we're going through in terms of access to healthcare and, uh, it should be a very personal matter, but, but the, but what we're seeing is a huge attack on our rights. And it's important that we start electing people that care about us. Um, I'm from Brownsville. I, I'm the daughter of two public school teachers. They, they met as public school teachers. My dad ended up going off to law school and then became a judge later on. But my mom is still involved with uh, the with public school teachers union and uh, working to ensure that their retirement is protected, even though she herself didn't retire as a teacher. So that's, that shows you a little bit about who I am. I. I you know, grew up in a household with a sibling with disabilities, and, and I saw my parents struggle to make sure that my brother Robbie got the healthcare he needed. And it showed me that our communities are only as strong as each person in that community. That's why I bec- why I became a lawyer, that's why I fought for people that have been overlooked and left behind, because I have seen it firsthand. And we need to support unions. If we're gonna support families in the state of Texas, we have to support the right to unionize. Uh, as the attorney general, I want to focus on making sure that we have a workers protection bureau where we work hand in hand with labor and making sure, making sure that that families can put food on the table.
0: I just got to say, like, I, A, I think it's a great idea to have, you know, an entity that enforces labor laws like duh but the like lukewarm response from the audience at the labor caucus which is weird to me was <laughs> just like yeah it's like <laughs> if any if, if there's anywhere that should go
1: over it should go over pretty well there right
0: and like i didn't know she was gonna I mean, say the that last,
1: the last speaker we got more and more support for her fanny pack <laughs>
0: Right. I was just, I don't know. I was, I was, I was kind of taken aback like, oh, wow, that's a great idea. Like, and you, you know, you're obviously speaking to the, you know, your audience, like you're going to say, but like, then it was just like very tepid, like golf clap. I was like, what? I don't know. Sorry.
5: That they can, they they do not get misclassified as workers. They do not get taken advantage of and that they are entitled to the benefits that they have been working for. We haven't had that. We have an attorney general who would rather undermine our families, take away civil rights, and attack people at every turn. It's unacceptable. Ken Paxton has been under criminal indictment for more than seven years. <laughs> he hasn't answered for anything. Because he, he can retain his power. And, you know, I, I practice most of my career as a, as a small uh, business owner, as, a, as a, an attorney, and also in nonprofits. I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. I know how hard it is for everyday folks just to try to get ahead. And I want to make sure that we are using the power of this office because the power is vast to look out for us and make sure that people have, have the right to unionize and have the right to live and work as they see fit. So, I I appreciate all of you for being here and for organizing because that is the bedrock of our society. We wouldn't have what we have. The protections that we have, the, you know, five, uh, 40-hour work weeks wouldn't have happened without you wouldn't have happened without unions. We need protections. We need to continue the fight for our rights. So I am five points, I am within three points of unseating Ken
0: Paxton. And with your
5: help, with your help, we can get it done in November. So let's win in November. Thank you all so much.
0: You know, it's nice to know that this is like these guys in office they are like not at their peak of popularity right now so i mean like if the texas democratic party is going to make moves and do something like this is the election cycle to do it you know yeah so i one thing i just thought was uncanny they didn't have timers up there but she nailed her four minutes like she did exactly four minutes on her speech i was like oh wow that's weird. how'd you do that um yeah so uh, after well, we had
1: <laughs> probably been to the debate club before probably you yeah. know I've been enough the base where it's like, all right, yeah, four minutes exactly. You need to use all your time.
0: Yeah, probably. You're probably right. Experience gonna make makes that easy, I suppose. Um, I got the the person who spoke last. Like, the Be- Beto didn't speak at any of the caucuses, um, but he had surrogates and representatives speak for him. So at the Progressive Caucus, uh, Christina Christina Tizun, I don't know how to say her name. Um. She ran as a. I don't think she won her office, but she ran as a progressive. Uh, and so I recognized her name. Uh, so she was there speaking for him. And then I was able to get Becky Moeller, who uh, Mike Collier was like shouting out at the beginning of his speech. She was spoke on behalf of Beto. But I, I'm not going to play that because Beto spoke that evening, and so I was able to find that uh, clips from that speech and that speech online. Kind of like last minute right before the podcast, so sorry to the listener, I haven't listened to the whole speech. And for the sake of time, Thomas and I kind of decided we're not going to play the whole speech. I think it's about 15 or 16 minutes, Um, but we are going to play a couple of the clips from the news clips from his speech. So some of the highlights, I guess you could say. So the first one, I'll, I'll provide a link below. If you want to catch the whole thing, it's on Beto's YouTube channel. And so I'll have a, I didn't know he had a YouTube channel, but I guess, duh, but he does the whole thing's up there. The whole thing's 23 minutes, but there's like a, a there's a intro speaker that speaks for about six or seven minutes. So Beto, I think yeah, talks about 15. So here we go. Here is, I don't know. Which one is it? So, uh, so this one's from the Dallas morning news. It's not him on stage giving his, speech speech but the dallas morning news like following him around the convention in the halls and stuff with their little voice recorder asking him some questions so here's his response to a couple of the dallas morning news questions the need
6: in this state to get back to the big things again world-class schools the ability to find a job that pays a living wage and the ability to be healthy enough and well enough to live to your full potential so smart common sense things like expanding medicaid i was just in new Valley. i feel the need there to make sure that we're standing up and fighting for those families to make sure that they have accountability and justice and all the answers they deserve as well as the action that they're demanding from us to make sure that no other family has to go through this we've got to bring everything that we have to this fight because we're fighting for the people of texas but i'm encouraged By the energy here, by the number of people who contributed, donations and money, but also their time, 78000 volunteers strong and counting right now. And while, as you covered the Republican convention, you saw that they want to secede from the union, they won't recognize the results of the last presidential election, they call homosexuality a, quote, abnormal behavior, here in this convention we're focused on jobs and economic growth, reducing inflation, supporting public school educators, and expanding Medicaid so everyone can see a doctor and be healthy enough and well enough to live to their full potential. That's not just what Democrats want. That's what Texans want, including Republicans and independents. We know that Greg Abbott is the single greatest driver of inflation in the state of Texas. Since he's been governor, property taxes have gone up $20 billion or over 40%. We have some of the fastest climbing utility bills in the country. Because the guy couldn't keep the lights on when the temperature dropped last February. When he shut down the U.S.-Mexico border, it hit our economy in Texas to the tune of hundreds of of dollars. And it drove up the prices in our grocery stores. I'm going to make sure every Texas voter knows that and knows that we have a plan to bring down your utility bills, to bring down your property
0: tax bills, to
6: make sure it is more affordable to live and work and raise your family right here in the state of Texas.
0: So there we go. It's nice to hear Beto talking about Texas issues, you know, I don't know. I know he's been doing that for a minute now, but like I still just hear As him we reported, talking about America. Democratic Senator Joe oh, Manchin. sorry, videos auto playing um, yeah, I don't know, and it's just like focusing on the stuff that Abbott's not focusing on, you know I'm not, yeah. I'm not talking about the border, I'm not talking about you know well
1: perfect. the whole g o p strategy has not been an actual issue. it's been. Mm-hmm. Issues that make people emotional because emotional voters, you know, show up. Yeah. And as long as they have emotional voting for things, he can maintain power without actually having to do anything.
0: Yep. It's funny on the, the comments on these YouTube videos are, for this one for the Dallas Morning News, it's a bunch of back and forth of like supporters and anti supporters. And then I have this. This one's from this clip I'm about to play is from CBS 11, and it's just a bunch of hate. It's Just a bunch of Just a bunch of hate for for Beto. But here, is this the clip? One of these clips is like a really awesome. Okay, here here we go. Here's him at his speech.
1: Beto O'Rourke rallied Texas Democrats.
6: Imagine a governor who, instead of attacking teachers, supports them, pays them enough so they don't have to work a second or a third job just to make ends meet. Imagine a governor who will fix the grid by winterizing and weatherizing it, by connecting ercot to the national grid by investing in energy efficiency and lowering your utility bills.
0: Earlier in the day, our work we support. Yep. So that's that's nice. Where's. Let me find a better one.
1: It is a good job of hitting all the points in, in like one part of the speech.
0: Right. Yeah. It's kind of. Here it is. Here's There's one of them. I have too many tabs open. I'm sorry. One of them, that was, that was a direct attack at uh, Abbott.
6: Are making his climb happen. O'Rourke unleashed on Abbott tonight. Take a listen Thanks. to what Greg O'Rourke Abbott had to say. It's chaos. Greg Abbott is chaos. He is corruption. He is cruelty. And he is incompetence. But he is not Texas. And he is not us. It is the honor of my lifetime. To lead this extraordinary ticket, but it will be an even greater honor with your hard work with your effort with your persistence and yes with your courage in the face of these attacks to lead this state as the next governor of the great state of Texas
2: now some of the states
0: so yeah um you know it's Beto being Beto, which is which I like. What do you think Thomas? I think he's doing a good job. I like how he's he's
1: strategically moving his messaging around to to appeal to everybody. Not just progressives because I think that was that was one of the things the GOP was banking on being able to throw him in the corner with like progressives and everything. But if he's sitting here with messages that resonate with everybody, they can't really argue with that. Yeah. You know, what are they going to say? Oh, he supports teachers. You need to get rid of
0: them. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good point because that's, I don't know, that's, that's, that's a, an issue that I think most people can get behind paying teachers better unless you just don't think public education should be a thing, which a lot of the Republicans of Texas don't think. But, um, but yeah, no, I agree. I think that's a, that's a pretty smart, smart <laughs> move, smart <laughs> strategy. Republicans in Texas don't think. But it, but, so a couple of news stories on Beto uh, before we before we get out of here, uh, I want to give us some more good news on his fundraising. He has broken more records uh, on raising the amount of money that he has raised so far as a candidate. Now, so he he uh, this Texas Tribute article says he has twenty seven point six million dollars in his fundraiser, you know, chest or whatever, um, which is a record. However, Abbott like started with a giant fundraising like amount. I don't know the exact amount he had, but he already had multiple millions of dollars uh before all of this. Okay, here it is. Uh it says it's quote, still Abbott maintains a decisive advantage in cash on hand. His campaign said it has forty five point seven million dollars on cash as of June thirtieth. O'Rourke's campaign, um now, I guess it's twenty seven point six. So That's they still have almost double what O'Rourke has to keep things in perspective. However, it's good that he's breaking records. You know, it's good that he's raising as much money as he is. Obviously, still needs more. Um, But this is this is an achievable race. Like this is something that can happen. I think maybe six months ago, nine months ago, it maybe seemed a lot more out of reach, but it's not looking that way. Another news story from the Texas Tribune on the same thing is what date is this? Is this in addition to? Yeah. So this is the next day. So the next day, he gets two more million dollars from two uh, philanthropists out of Austin. Um, so that's so now he's up to 29, I guess. Uh, we have a Austin couple, Simone and Trench Cox, uh, each wrote, husband and wife, each wrote a million dollar check. So here's the deal. When I read that, I was like, they did what? They wrote a million dollar check and they gave it to... The Beto campaign. Does that sound weird at all to you?
1: I mean, if they got the money, they can give it. You know.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know if that.
1: You do have progressives that are actually your stupid, stupid rich. So I mean, that's not.
0: Sure, and, and I guess I, to, I,
1: I'm not getting any. I'm not getting any dirty money vibes if that if, that, if that's what you're getting at.
0: Well, no, so it's, no, it's not that I I was confused because I was thinking of federal election laws and there's a cap on how much you can donate. And it's like, I forget the, oh. $2,400 or something like that, 1600 something around that. Like you are not allowed to donate to a candidate more than that amount or you're in violation of federal election laws. But, and I learned this talking I, to our neighbor, our neighbor went to the convention. She's got a, a political consultant, uh, company and so like she was there for business Uh, but we were having uh, lunch and talking to her and stuff and she had casually mentioned that in the state of Texas in state races those federal election laws don't apply and there was all sorts of collusion and you know shadiness going on in Texas election with fundraising and stuff because there's no regulation over it so yes you can donate as much as you want to a candidate's campaign I know I didn't know that um and, so, and I did not know that either. Additionally, so you know the way it works, I guess at the federal level is you know you have the super PACs. So the super PACs are able to raise money as much as they want and depending on their designation they don't have to reveal where that money comes from. Uh and but as, and then they can spend that money as long as there's no cooperation or communication with that candidate's campaign right that's how it's like supposed to work so you can have a pro biden pack that's helping biden get elected but that pack you know they can spend 30 million dollars on advertisements for biden but they can't talk to biden's campaign at all like they're not supposed to work with you know in collusion with that doesn't apply to state elections so that's just how it works in state elections is like there is communication and collusion with the packs the packs are just on the phone every day with the campaigns <laughs> coordinating <laughs> it's, and i didn't know i just didn't ever think about the the difference in the laws i mean it makes sense obviously but never thought about it so yeah so you can just donate a million dollars to a candidate at a state race you know and there's and no biggie so just thought that was an interesting thing to know about our state and i guess for the record these these two philanthropists they identify as moderates um and she uses the term simone says i'm more of a liberal moderate than my husband is, but Beto O'Rourke is talking, you know, it making sense in his his uh, his issues relates really common sense, you know, politics or whatever is kind of how they word it. So I want to talk to you about this, Thomas. I guess before we kind of wrap up, I have a I got into a conversation with a friend the other day, and I we kind of started talking about the words progressive and liberal. Like, do you feel that there's a difference between those two or a big difference, a little difference? Like, what do those words mean to you?
1: I think that over time that they have been, that they have both have dual definitions. One of them is very, very similar to each other, basically being someone who who isn't afraid to try new ideas um, in the political space for policy. Mm-hmm. Um, as in, like they're not afraid to, to do something that hasn't been done before, or hasn't been tried before. Yeah. Um, but I think over time, what's happened is, you know, the the term liberal has kind of become synonymous with left wings, and it's been become synonymous with an actual platform, and growingly progressives have too. But I think progressives. Are a little bit closer now to the actual definition of progressive than liberal is because progressives still try, still advocate for ideas that are either new or have been tried in so long, that they might as well be new, you know? Exactly. Whereas liberals are still on the same policies that they've been on for the past 50 years.
0: Yep. 100%. So I agree. I 100% agree with you. And that's kind of that's my take too. And I was talking to, to my buddy and his, and I'm wondering like how prevalent this is, you know, if, if, if other people hold this, this framework or conception to him, they almost meant the same thing. And he was like, I mean, progressives and liberals were kind of almost the same. Like they're both on the left is how he put it. uh, And, and I, and so me and him kind of went back and forth on it. And I was just kind of like, to me, you know, liberals I think became synonymous with the Democratic Party and in America. That's the left party, right? Quote unquote left. But liberalism as an ideology, like you said, 50 years ago in the 70s, you know, we can call it neoliberalism. This is a resurgence of like liberal philosophy, liberalism from like the late 1800s, early 1900s, liberal democracy yeah. as a middle ground and middle road from either an authoritarian dictatorship or a socialist communist type country, right? So this is, liberalism is coming around in opposition to and during fascism, during communism, the, the, the 20s, 30s, and 40s, right? And so after World War II, neoliberalism, the new liberalism, kind of became the new economic system. And that is a democratic and a republican belief. Both the Democrats and the Republican are like, we need to be this new neoliberal country, specifically in regards to our economics, essentially meaning capitalism and markets, quote unquote, are the solutions to our problems. So we need to privatize. You know, we can look around the Western sphere. We can look in Germany. We can look in the UK. We can look in America. You know, the privatization of certain things has been kind of going on for a while. This privatization, taking things that were belonging to the government and making them, you know, privatized. And now people can make money and profit off of these things. That's kind of liberalism. And so, you know, like, for example, the United Kingdom, they used to own their oil reserves. They were nationalized. And so if the price of oil went up and, like, the UK had oil, like, that, the value of that oil was then shared with the British subjects or the British people, the citizens. Um, Once they privatized that in the 70s, that went to, I guess, BP. Um, And so now all of the... Trillions of dollars in profits that BP, for instance, is making um, that belongs to BP, that does not belong to the British people, for instance. So that's just kind of an example of this liberalization of the economic system. And so in America, I think it's kind of interestingly worked out to me, and like you said, Thomas, liberal means, you know, kind of like this middle road sort of thing. It's the status quo. It's not, it's inherently yeah. not leftist. And like that was the point. It was supposed to be not leftist because leftism is socialism <laughs> leftism is communism and so it was like we want to be this third way this middle road in between you know socialism and communism and you know republicanism or whatever and so like I- i'm glad to hear you say that and to kind of say like okay th- th- that our perception was the same but there seems to be kind of, you know, not everybody's got that memo yet or not everybody's on the same page of that yet, about the distinct distinction and the difference between progressive and liberal, because it seems to be the progressives in Congress, the ones that are out there fighting your AOC types, your squads, they are, you know, socialist or pseudo socialist democratic socialists or something, right? Like they're, they're more extreme. They are actual leftists and liberals to me, uh, and I guess to you and hopefully to more people like is they're not on the left. But they are Democrats, though, right? And so I think that's where the confusion comes right. from is because oh, Democrats are the left, but but they're not. Like we haven't had leftist parties in for a long time, and I guess we technically have the Green Party, but that's you could you know, how much power do they have? They, they don't have any, so we can't. I don't you know want to yeah. refer to that. But if you go back hundred years, you know we had a progressive party, right? We had a socialist party, a, you know a communist party. Um, those parties are not around anymore. You know, the progressive era is an era that I teach to my students in history, the 1890s to like up to 1920. It's the progressive era because like you said, Thomas, it's people trying new ideas that haven't been done before to make things better for more people, right? It's like it really kind of at the end of the day comes down to human rights. Who do you consider human? And are you giving them the same, you know, services and possibilities and everything that, that you're giving other people? Sorry about the notification. And so I don't know. I just wanted to kind of talk about that for a little bit cuz I was kind of conf- starting to get confused. I was like, am I kind of in the minority in this conception of how I define progressive, you know? And so I don't know. I'm glad to hear that you <laughs> that we're on the same page I guess. So, I don't know. Right. Have you have you encountered that? Have you do you see that misconception like online or do people that you talk to or Yeah,
1: yeah, they they think progressive and liberals are all the same thing. They're both left wings like if I was going to put same things- the left side of the shelf i could put them next to each other that is not the case but that's the perception you get what i'm saying
0: yeah and i think it's become a buzzword you know like the at least amongst like the establishment democrats like they all were throwing around that progressive word uh and it was kind of weird yep. It was kind of cringy in a certain way where they're like you're not using that the right way you know or, whatever. <laughs> or like i don't think that means what you think it means um, but you're saying it because you think it's. Gonna well, be what happened
1: was liberal liberals started starting hurting them politically okay. around 20, 2008, 2010. Yeah. Then the Tea Party popped up. So they needed something to kind of like label themselves. That wasn't liberal. So they came out with progressives and they've been using it ever since. Yeah. To basically place the word liberal, which is also why people are <clears> confused. Yeah. Because, uh, They've been using it interchangeably.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think it's important to talk about these ideas, you know, make them clear and defined for people, especially if you if you define yourself as a progressive. Um, I always hate there's this, you know, kind of thing that, I guess, trope that you've seen online or whatever, where it's like, I'm not here to educate you or whatever. Like, you need to go do your research. You need to look up your own stuff or whatever. And
1: like I hate I, that so much. I'm not here to educate you, but somehow I'm an activist. Yeah, right. I hate, I hate that so much. Act for for those of you who who don't get the memo, I'm gonna make it real easy. Um activism is education.
0: Yes. hundred percent. Like that's your job. You know, if you I, I hate using the word woke. That word is ruined forever. But if you are aware right. You know, if you're aware of what's going on, if you are educated or, I guess, edu- educated, educated has a connotation too because it's like you had to go to college or you had to get some sort of formal education. That's not necessarily education. Like if you learned something, if you gained an understanding of how certain things work, like our economic system, for instance, or our political system or our world, right? Human nature, for instance. Like if you're learning things about how things are working, um and you're wanting things to change and be better then it is incumbent upon you to educate like that like you're 100% right Thomas activism is education that's part of your job It's part of your role i heard a uh, lilian Ch- Ch- i can't ever say her name right uh from the what's left of philosophy podcast essentially claiming this sort of same point where it's like if you come across an idea that is a good idea that hasn't either been talked about very much or has been forgotten or like maybe it's a new framework for like understanding things or new to you maybe it's someone wrote it 30 years ago but you read this thing and you're like this changed how I looked at the world or something right and, and you're able to take that that single idea and just like put it boil it down in a way that you can easily explain it to somebody if you're able to do that which is kind of this is I guess kind of what academics do but you don't have to be an academic to do this If you're able to do that and it's a good idea and it works and it communicates, then you should be willing to repeat that same information ad nauseum for the rest of your life because doing so is going to change the world. Like getting that idea out to more and more and more people, if it's good and if it holds up, right, and proves true, um, that is literally how the world has changed. So you should never shy away. From that, that informing and that educating, and you don't have to do that. There's so many ways you can do that. You don't have to just talk to people, right? Um, you can, you can start a podcast like we're doing, and you should if you're thinking about it. You should absolutely start a podcast. Um, but you don't do the you, thing. Yeah, do the thing. You can write stuff down. You could write an op-ed or something. You could, you know, just post about it on the social media if you want. But you could, if you're a creative person and you're artistic, like you could create art with this information with this knowledge or whatever right and put it out that way we all human beings we all pick up different things in different ways and so whether it's like a line from a character in a movie or a video game or it's a, a lyric in a song or a word in a poem um all of these are ways to communicate ideas to people and ideas change the world so i don't know i i know last episode w- <laughs> <laughs> was kind of a downer, like I don't know. Into the, you know, I, I, I'll fully admit that was me. That was kind of bringing things down. Uh, I think hopefully the takeaway for this one is that like this, this is an optimistic. We are headed in a good direction. Things can be changed. Change is within reach. And so I do want to like empower you, listener. Like you know, there are things that you can do uh, here at the local level and at the state level to kind of get more people. Who believe our ideas, right or if you believe if you agree with us um, to put those out to put those out there. So I don't know, what do you think, Thomas? Are you feeling better about the state of the state than as opposed to two weeks ago? Well I'm always I'm always cautiously
1: optimistic, you know Hope Springs eternal. Um, I am optimistic about how things go, even if we lose this cycle, I think we're gonna get a lot closer to flipping things than people think. And I think what's going to happen is that's going to turn the next cycle after that into an even more competitive race. And then we just need to keep hammering and hammering and hammering until eventually we get there and these Republican clowns lose power.
0: hundred percent, dude. That's Hell yeah. Well, I want to shout out, uh, real quick, I guess, before we're done to, uh, Carla Palomares from the DSA. Thank you so much for meeting us out there at the convention and inviting us out and kind of spending time with us and educating us on the thing, introducing us to Greg Kassar. So I just want to give a big shout out to you and thank you for doing all that. Certainly wouldn't have been possible to do this episode without you. So, uh, yeah, anything else, Thomas, I guess we'll shout out the GoFundMe one more time, please. If you got any, anything you can spare, uh, help, help Thomas out, man. He's done a lot of good things in the area for a lot of people uh thomas you're a great dude and so you certainly you know deserve deserve the help and to be uplifted so i certainly do what you can if you can
1: well i appreciate that i really do yeah no seriously if you guys can help me i'd appreciate you forever um if i can find a way to thank you i will
0: there we go maybe we can uh yeah we do something on do an episode on a little baby episode about it or something like that. Give shout out and you know support people who support support us something right? like that. Well, awesome. Well, uh, I guess I'll do my little my little thing. Please um, feel free to contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you're digging things, if you're not digging things, if you've got ideas for us, if you've got candidates you want us to cover or issues you want us to cover, um, please reach out to us. Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at fw review. You can hit us up on Instagram at Fort Worth Freedom Review, and you can send us an email at fwfreedomreview at gmail.com. Um, you can also I'm, we've never done this before. I don't know why it just occurred to me. Um, here's our uh, so uh, Thomas, you want to shout out your your TikTok and your social?
1: Yeah, my my TikTok is uh, Tom Wants Justice, and. Uh, that's basically the only social i got going on right now that isn't private
0: gotcha tom wants justice um you can hit me up on twitter at sosation, and um also on instagram my, my instagram is private but you know if i know you if you follow the podcast i'll probably, probably know. Here's, i don't know this is dumb. I don't, nobody cares i'm so burnt out on instagram i just i'm having a really hard time <laughs> Motivating myself, but hit me up. Hit me up. Hit me up on social media if you need, if you want, if you need stuff. Um, we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and spending your time with us. Um, please do things you are useful and valuable and love and change the world. So let's all do that together. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.